Hello and welcome to Buried Treasure. I'm Lou Smoley, and with this program we begin another extensive exploration of a composer whom I believe has not yet achieved the high level of international acclaim that he deserves, Mieczysław Weinberg. Although Weinberg was born in Poland in 1919 and studied at the Warsaw Conservatory, he fled to the Soviet Union after Poland was attacked by the Nazis at the outset of World War II. Weinberg was born into a musical and theatrical family. His father was a conductor, a violinist, and composer in the Yiddish theater. His mother, an actress, uh, and uh, in fact, she performed in many uh, of the Yiddish theaters in Warsaw and Lodz. Weinberg's family was already the victim of anti-Semitic pogroms, both before the war and after the war. In fact, his father-in-law, the famous Jewish actor Solomon Michaels, was arrested and then assassinated on orders from Stalin. Even though Weinberg himself was arrested during the so-called doctor's plot on charges of Jewish bourgeois nationalism, so-called, he was soon released. His close relationship with Shostakovich, who admired his music greatly, helped the younger Jewish composer through some difficult times. They became not only close colleagues, sharing their music with each other, but close friends. As a result, Shostakovich's music was a strong influence on Weinberg, but also conversely, Shostakovich occasionally made reference to Weinberg's music in his own. Although they drew upon each other's music and shared a similar musical orientation, both composers developed their own stylistic characteristics. Uh, as they began to extend the number of their respective symphonies and string quartets, both Shostakovich and Weinberg used to kid each other about who was ahead in the race uh, for the number of symphonies or string quartets that they were composing. In fact, sometimes one of them would react to a completion of a work in either of those genres by the other as a challenge not to be left behind. So Shostakovich lost the race, ultimately, for the most symphonies, leaving 15, not including his five chamber symphonies, to Weinberg, who, although he didn't complete the last one, had written 22 named symphonies, but also four chamber symphonies, all written later in his life. In fact, Weinberg was known for commenting that these chamber symphonies are really full-fledged symphonies, given the fact that he had already written symphonies, so named, uh, for chamber orchestras. But he called them chamber symphonies, these last four, because, as he said, uh, he thought he was getting too high up in the number scale of symphonies, uh, and so he thought it better to, to divert a little bit and, and name these four as chamber symphonies. So much for that logic. As to string quartets, once again, Weinberg won the race, uh, having completed 17 to Shostakovich's 15. But then again, who's counting? Well, apparently they were. As might be expected, Weinberg's Jewish heritage is uh, noticeable, particularly in his early works. The hardships he and his family suffered, uh, and also the loss of family members during the war and afterwards, merely from being Jewish, had a substantial impact on his musical persona. 
Many of Weinberg's works are powerful anti-war statements that decry the wasteful horrors of war-torn Europe during the first half of the 20th century. His music is imbued with a profound compassion for human suffering. Yet it also rises above the tragic in search of meaning and hope. Weinberg, who died in 1996, left a substantial body of works. As I mentioned earlier, 22 symphonies, the last left unfinished, 17 string quartets, eight violin sonatas, six piano sonatas, several concertos for various instruments, a wide variety of chamber music, 40 film and animation scores, seven operas, including The Passenger, which is his most famous and possibly even his most famous work, uh, written between 1967 and 68, certainly considered his most important work for the stage. He also wrote operettas and ballets, as well as other orchestral works. During Weinberg's lifetime, his music received some attention in Russia, but little internationally, until the British label Olympia released more than 15 CDs of his works, originally recorded on LP by Melodia. Now we have the complete string quartets, and piano sonatas on disc, most of the symphonies, and the concertos. There's a DVD of a recent production of The Passenger, which is available in Blu-ray. Fortunately, these and other CD releases give us an opportunity to really explore this important composer's music in greater depth than was ever possible until now. With this background, let's get to the music. To give you a sense of how Weinberg's style and his musical persona changed during his lifetime, the works I've chosen will be presented, for the most part, in chronological order. Having established this procedure, I'm going to violate it immediately by opening the program with a work from Weinberg's middle period, in the 1940s, because it is probably his best-known orchestral work. Rhapsody on Moldavian Themes, Opus 47, Number 1. Weinberg frequently made use of folk music in his compositions. This tendency was particularly apparent after the attack on Soviet composers in 1948. That's because the authorities encouraged composers thereafter to incorporate, quote, music of the people, unquote, in their works. So the critics apparently would have nothing negative to say about Weinberg's rhapsody on Moldavian themes when it was first heard a year later, 1949. Yet despite a remainder of latent anti-Semitism in the Soviet Union, the overtly Jewish flavor of the work apparently did not trouble the authorities. Weinberg thought they were probably not familiar with this idiom. It might have been, however that the work served as a nice piece of Soviet propaganda. The Rhapsody was written for orchestra, but Weinberg also made versions for violin and piano and violin and orchestra, both for the violinist David Oistrakh. The choice of Moldavia may have been because Weinberg's mother came from Kishinev, the capital of Bessarabia, which was then a Russian territory, later to become the Moldavian Soviet Republic. If the music here sounds something like Enescu's, it may be because the Romanian composer came from Moldavia. 
We hear the Rhapsody on Moldavian Themes, Opus 47, Number 1, by Mieczysław Weinberg. It's performed by the USSR Academic Symphony, directed by Yevgeny Svetlanov.
began our program devoted to the music of Vyacheslav Weinberg with his Rhapsody on Moldavian themes performed by the USSR Academic Symphony directed by Yevgeny Svetlanov. I should mention something about Weinberg's name. After he went to the Soviet Union, Weinberg's name, the last name, uh, was kind of re-spelled uh, and uh, is, appears on several Russian recordings in the English version as, as spelled V-A-I-N-B-E-R-G rather than W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G, so don't be confused. The, a similar problem uh, occurs with respect to Weinberg's first name in Polish, Mieczysław, uh, but uh, in the Russified uh, translation, if you will, Moisey Weinberg. Uh, so I hope that clears that up. I also wanted to mention that there are a couple of other recordings worth mentioning of the Rhapsody on Moldavian themes. Uh, there's a Shandos recording uh, by the National Polish Radio Symphony, uh, directed by Gabriel Chmura, uh, and a Noxos recording, with the St. Petersburg State Symphony, directed by Vladimir Land, all of which are recommended. But the Svetlanov I chose, I think, for obvious reasons, being that he certainly was one of the great Russian conductors. For the next work, we go back about four or five years to 1944, a cycle of Jewish songs written to Yiddish poems, by Samuel Halkin, 
one of the Soviet Union's foremost Jewish poets. The work is entitled Jewish Songs after Samuel Halkin, Opus 17. Feinberg's persistent theme of the tragedy of war, and in particular Jewish suffering, is central to this song cycle. It consists of six songs. The first is a rallying cry to the Red Army. In the second, we hear the thoughts of a mother awaiting word from her sons, all serving at the front. The third song is a description of a most terrible New Year's Eve. The fourth takes up the ever-popular leave-taking of a soldier from his lover. The climax of the cycle, the fifth song, relates to the Babi Yar massacre, which is also the subject of the first movement of Shostakovich's 13th Symphony. In the final song, a mother, sister, and girlfriend sing with pride about the heroes who defend Russia. Although there are no direct quotes from folk music, the idiom is clearly Jewish. There is even a strong recollection of the famous second theme from the last movement of Shostakovich's second piano trio in the middle section of the fourth song. And so let's listen now to Jewish songs after Samuel Halkin, Opus 17, sung by Richard Margeson, the tenor with Diane Werner at the piano. Bei mir jontet, und dienstig frimen klapp schöner Briebele der Mannen. 
Ich soll sie nicht verlieren, die Briefe ich halt zusammen. Euch tun es gibt und nicht, was mir trotz euch mir entgegen. Wohnen alle weitste Fronten von unbekannten Wegen. Freitag schon es war ich, ich trage es dort geduldig, weil unser mir allein dort ist keiner gar nicht schuldig. Zwei Tage an Brief geblieben, ich tue am Monat Tracht. Es wurden alle sieben geschrieben mir von Schlacht. Der zweite Gast auf Lasch mit Wein, der dritte
mein Lieber, gehst die Schlacht weg. Den Sache will ich dir sagen, pass um Jürgen, quäl dich hinweg und jetzt scher über Jürgen. Und weil ich weiß noch nicht derweil, sie gehen, weil ich die Leuten, du guck ab, sich ab am Meil und such mich wunderbar. Und weil ich weiß noch nicht derweil, quäl öfter sein in Rufen, dann bin ich mit der Gunde fein, mein Lieber dich erruft und und hat sich weiß noch nicht, wie es ist, ich meine, ich vernehme, mein Lieber, der Gosland war schützt, weil euch nicht lieb war schämen. Und hat sich weiß noch nicht derweil, die Weil, wo ich will machen, mein Lieber, vorgesucht, ich als Schäden sich mir daten. Ich es ruft, das Land euch mich, du, du, abguck ich wenn nicht. Mein Lieber, wir zerschäden sich, doch bleiben wir vereinigt, doch bleiben wir vereinigt. Meine Heim, 
Es wird dir sein zu schwer, Sommer in die Hitzen, Sommer in die Hitzen, zu meiner Dutur, was du gehst, was schützen. Es wird dir sein, die Brut hat Zeit in die Netzen, hat Zeit in die Netzen, Bruder, heute dein Herdenmut, Vaterland, ein Schätzen. Schrecklich sein wird Tomer, schrecklich sein wird Tomer, über meine Tracks ich ein Kind an der Welt. Jewish songs after Samuel Halkin sung in Yiddish, as written uh, by Richard Margeson, the tenor, with Diane Werner at the piano. About a year after finishing the Halkin song cycle, 
Weinberg wrote a sonata for clarinet and piano, opus 28. In three movements, the last of which is a slow movement, not uncharacteristic for Weinberg, the opening allegro movement is in traditional sonata form. The second, an allegretto, takes the place of the usual slow middle movement. The clarinet was a staple in Eastern European bands, particularly in klezmer music, which is also apparent in the second movement. Weinberg will feature the clarinet again in two later works, his clarinet concerto and the fourth and last of the four chamber symphonies. We hear Joachim Valdepeñas, the clarinetist with Diane Werner at the piano in Weinberg's Sonata for Clarinet and Piano, Opus 28, from 1945.
That was the Sonata for Clarinet and Piano, Opus 28 by Weinberg, performed by Joachim Valdepianus, clarinetist with Diane Werner at the piano. With the sixth of his 17 string quartets, Weinberg reached a plateau in the development of that genre. Written in 1946, 
this sixth string quartet is the pinnacle of a burst of creative energy that occurred during the first five years that uh, Weinberg spent in the Soviet Union after leaving Poland. Yet it was on the band list as formalistic at the beginning, after it was published, but the ban was lifted, although it may have had a negative effect on Weinberg's returning to this genre, which he did not do for some nine years thereafter. The work itself is quite ambitious and impressively experimental, being virtually symphonic in scale. It consists of three fast movements, a slow fugue, and two moderately paced final movements. Here, transparency is the byword, even with greater emphasis than in his earlier string quartets. The first movement, marked Allegro Semplice, contains some touches of klezmer music. Its wildness continues in the following Presto Agitato, which has structural connections with Shostakovich's second and third quartets. An allegro con fuoco follows with its shades of the Shostakovich to come in the later quartets. The central adagio begins with a rather strict fugue. Later we hear references to the opening movement. In a soothing moderato commodo, we hear a bit of Prokofiev in the ticking of a clock. It closes in a more subdued, becalmed mood. The final movement, Andante Maestoso, develops with unremitting impulse, which warms up toward the end with a moment of rather trite dance music. This quartet has a very unsettling effect, given its experimental structure and the sense that it is not sure just what it's aiming at. But it represents a milestone in the progress of Weinberg in this genre, toward new principles of construction as well as expressivity. Weinberg expert David Fanning believes that it has a claim on being possibly the best of Weinberg's string quartets. We hear it performed now by the Quartur Daniel, the sixth string quartet of Mieczysław Weinberg, Opus 35.
That was Weinberg's String Quartet Number no. 6, Opus 35, performed by the Quatuor Daniel, which performs all uh, of the String Quartet, 17 of them, you know, in a complete set for the CPO label. A combination of Jewish music and Shostakovichian style is evident in the first of Weinberg's two works that he called Sinfoniettas, this from 1948. But the astringency of Bartok now begins to creep into the musical mix. The work was written for virtuoso orchestra in four movements, an allegro risoluto, which has a certain brashness uh, with its prominent augmented seconds. A bit of Yiddish quality is also discernible. Then comes an exquisite lento movement uh, based upon a song-like theme first played by the oboe. A scherzo movement marked allegretto follows, and it contains a string of short variations which dissipate at the end, somewhat like Mahler in his scherzos. A whirlwind finale marked vivace returns to the frequent augmented seconds of the opening movement, this time juxtaposed against a chorale-like subordinate theme in the brass. We hear the National Polish Radio Symphony, directed by Gabriel Chmura, uh, in this Shandos recording of the Sinfonietta No. 1 in D minor, Opus 41, from 1948.
Heard Weinberg's Sinfonietta No. 1 in D minor, Opus 41, performed by the National Polish Radio Symphony, directed by Gabriel Czmura.